0: plus
1: hello and welcome to it's a fandom thing i'm your host erin marlowe and each week i'm joined by a panel of guests to discuss all things fandom and pop culture primarily from a female perspective you'll find everything from fanfic to cosplay to schitt's creek to supernatural and everything in between So put on your favorite piece of fandom merch, set aside that fanfic that you're writing about your OTP, and sit back and enjoy this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to this special episode of It's a Fandom Thing. On this episode, I'm honored to be sitting down with author and playwright, Otho Eskin, he has written a new novel that is part of the Marco Zorn Thriller series called Headshot. The first novel in this series was The Reflecting Pool, so I'm really happy to have Otho Eskins sitting down with me. He is a lawyer and a former member of the United States Foreign Service. He is active in the Washington theater scene and a playwright whose work has appeared in New York, Washington, D.C., and Europe. So, Otho, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us.
2: Delighted to be here. Delighted to make your acquaintance. Virtually.
1: Virtually, yes. Yes, we are not sitting right in the same room. Sometimes you have to say that, especially right now. (laughs) Yeah. So I want to know, first off, just a little bit of your bio. Um, How did you come to write thriller novels? And then I know you were a playwright as well, but you've had just a vast vast biography, just doing a lot of things in your life. So what was it that attracted you to writing then?
2: Well, I've I've always loved to write ever since, I guess, in high school and college, um, tried various forms. But then I went to law school, was a brief stint in the U.S. Army. Then I joined the United States Foreign Service, where I served over 20 years. And that kept me busy. So I didn't really do any kind, certainly no fiction writing, yeah. not intentionally, anyway. I, I always had in the back of my mind that eventually I'd like to write. And when I retired from the Foreign Service, I decided to, uh, at that point, I decided to write plays. I'm not sure why I chose that route. I'd always liked theater. When I was in college, I uh, was active in the college theater. Not, I, I showed no talent for it, but I was active. And I saw a lot of plays. I thought, well, I'd like to write some theater pieces. I, my intention was to write kind of light, frothy plays, uh, which would just be entertainment. So I started, I took classes. I participated in work groups, and I wrote a number of plays, several of which were produced in Washington, D.C., as you say, and several of which were produced in New York. And I have one done in Australia and one done in Siberia, in Russia, don't ask me how that came about, but it was on the, re- uh, the repertory theater in, in Siberia for several years. I, I must say, I never got to see that one in, in performance. But then I, after having done that for a while, I, I wanted to stretch myself, I guess you'd say, and decided to do narrative fiction. And I had a lot of choices, but I, I'm not a very serious person. Uh, maybe in person I am, but not when I write. So I, I decided to to do a genre kind of writing, which in this case turned out to be mystery, kind of mystery uh, stories. And I found myself really deeply engaged, really enjoy doing this kind of work. I decided to do books dealing with, uh, with the main character as a Washington, D.C. homicide detective named Marco Zorn. Zorn means anger in, in German. I'm not quite sure why I picked that name. Maybe something subconscious was at work there. In any case, I knew approximately how I wanted the, 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 the stories to play out. And so I, uh, I started doing that. And I've been doing that now for, what, three or four or five years and uh, thoroughly enjoy Marco Zorn and his adventures. I hope other people do, too.
1: You know, I'll say cuz I know you you said you're not sure why you chose that last name since it means anger is what I kind of got from reading this and it's written in the first person yes. so it's written from Marco Zorn's point of view is you know I mean he doesn't he very rarely carries a weapon so he's using a lot of other skills other skill sets like he doesn't believe in just going first for the weapon but I think he also doesn't do that it seems like he's saying because sometimes he doesn't trust himself so maybe a little bit of that Zorn came from the characters like inner turmoil or inner anger or inner fear at, you know, what he's what he's capable of. That was kind of the what that's, I got.
2: So. That's pro- absolutely correct. He is my instinct, a peaceable person. And he, very unusual for a, a police officer. He, he rarely carries a gun and mm-hmm. he does not like to use a gun. And this isn't a political statement. It is not even uh, just an eccentricity. He is afraid that he has a, a, an ability, if that's the right word, to, to carry out acts of violence. And he, she does from time to time when it's absolutely necessary. And he knows that if he's got a gun, he's carrying a gun, that can escalate very fast into some very, very dangerous situations. And his instinct is always, when faced with danger and faced with uh, an enemy, to try to reason it, the, the situation out, to or try to talk his way into some kind of compromise. He does not like violence, even though he's capable mm. of carrying it out. And so he has to uh, be very careful of the weapons he carries. He doesn't carry a knife. He doesn't carry any kind of weapon. When faced with a, an enemy, which he frequently is, he tries to negotiate a settlement. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And he has to resort to to, uh, some kind of violence to, mm-hmm. to achieve his end. But that's basically why he does not carry a gun and does not b- believe in guns. He doesn't, doesn't object to other police officers carrying and using weapons because they have to. In fact, in Washington, D.C., they're obliged to carry uh, weapons. But he doesn't c- trust himself, as you say. Uh, at one point, he says to somebody, there's only one person in the world that I'm afraid of and that's me. So he has to be very cautious, and he avoids situations where he has to use violence. And if he does use violence, he doesn't he tries to avoid anything that is fatal violence.
1: Hmm. Yeah, which is very interesting. Like you said, that's not something you would normally see with someone who is who is in the police force, who is a detective, anything like that. You would never see that usually. So that is interesting. And like I said, it is written from the f- Point, from first-person point of view. Is there a reason you chose to do that, to have it be written from his point of view?
2: I've been asked that question often. I just felt that when I sat down to write the first Marco Zorn novel, which was The Reflecting Pool, I thought that having it in the first person, uh, which meant being in the present, added an immediacy, made it, uh, the, the reader closer identify more closely with a protagonist, with Marco Zorn. So the the reader only knows what Marco Zorn sees and hears, unlike the normal way of writing, which would be a third person, uh, the, the, where the author knows more than the protagonist. Mm-hmm. In the case of uh, Marco Zorn, you don't know anything that he doesn't know. And if he's he gets it wrong, the reader gets it wrong as well, and has to get out of it and misunderstanding uh, as well as Marco Zorn does. And I just thought that made it an effective way to, uh, to present the narrative.
1: Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree. Because it does make you feel like you're in that, you're in their shoes. It's almost like you're experiencing everything that's happening to Marco at the same time. So it can be a more immersive way sometimes to do it, to, you know, be, to read a novel is if it is in first person, because it does can feel more immersive, I think. And, you know, writing, big thing that they always say is, write what you know, write about yourself. So, do you relate a lot to Marco, or are there other characters in the novel that you relate to more?
2: I have to say, I do identify with Marco, although I'm not a police officer, and Mm -hmm. I don't uh, beat people up, Uh, never have, and I wouldn't be capable of doing it if I needed to. So, in some sense, he's an alien figure, but He's, he's a very peaceful person. He's very actually comfortable in his uh, in his own skin. He never goes looking for trouble, which uh, I would identify with. He he has a very expensive taste, which I probably do but can't afford. Which is he likes classic sports cars. He collects uh, rare paintings. He uh, lives high on the hogs, so to speak, and. He has a sense of humor, and I guess I identify mostly with that sense of humor that Marco sh- shows uh, all the time. So part of me identifies with him, and then part of me is it's completely fictional. Uh, I've never been in the situations that he faces almost daily, and I would never be able to react the way he does. He's, I do think of myself as being quite cool and, uh, and thoughtful, but uh, not in the uh, violent situations that Marco Zorn finds himself in.
1: Yeah, yeah. And where he finds himself, of course, in this novel is, well, it opens where somebody tries to kill him. is yes. <laughs> a big thing. And then, of course, he learns that um, somebody that he used to love and was in love with, an actress, has been killed on stage during a play. Yes. So, and was it because you are a playwright? Is that why you wanted to set something in th- in the theater world?
2: Yes. Well, exactly. I ha- during my time writing plays, I in addition to writing the plays, I was very in- intensely in- engaged in all the pr- production of the uh, of the plays, at least those that occurred in Washington and in uh, in-, in New York. I, I skipped the uh, Siberian production notes. But I, so that I spent a lot of time backstage, uh, mixing with the actors, of course, but with the crew, the director, set designers, lighting people. And so I, I, I felt I, I knew a lot about the life behind this, this on stage, behind the screens, not during an actual production. And I thought I, that, that, I thought that would be of interest to people. And so I drew on that, uh, to, in the, uh, Marco Zorn's investigation of the murder of his ex-lover from many years before. He is tormented by this event, even though he has not seen uh, his lover, uh, Victoria West, in 20 years and had not been in touch with her. It, when when she's killed on stage, it comes as an enormous shock and he realizes how deeply uh, in love he was once with her. And he sets out to deter- determine to f- find the killer, which in 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 the end he does, although I won't r- reveal the, yeah. the spoilers about how he manages to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely don't want to do that. Yeah. And um, as someone who I used to be in plays, I used to work in the theater. I used to help run a local theater here, local theater company here. So it's very if you've ever been in that world, it was very very accurate (laughs) even down to the way people would be talking to each other and the way, you know, some people had bigger egos than other people and that kind of thing in the hierarchies as well. And yeah. Yeah. So that was very interesting to read. It really was uh, captivating and you really could get a sense of Marco's grief immediately and his um, shock and his guilt too.
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah, Exactly. He's not a guilty person normally, but this was a very special situation. Mm -hmm. Uh, I should add that Marco Zorn has a long trail of lovers in his life, Uh, women that he has uh, been very close to in some cases and has been deeply involved with. There's nobody uh, during the current novel that he's in love with or is engaged with but he likes the company of women, particularly smart women, strong women. And, and he's attracted to them. So he has a lot of, uh, of lovers or would-be lovers in his, in his past.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of strong women around him. Yes, yes. definitely. He definitely is surrounded by that, which, which is nice to see in any novel as a woman. Mm-hmm. As a woman, it's nice to see lots of strong women in novels and especially surrounding the, the protagonist and the way that they are in here. So I want to know, when you start a novel, when you start writing, do you first map out like the plot or do you like to map out the characters first?
2: Well, I start off with the character. Well, I start off with Marco Zahn's character. I, I've him mm-hmm. clearly in mind what he does, what he can do, what he won't do. And then in terms of the plot... I know where it begins. I know the opening scenes has got to be one which is going to trigger the interest of the reader. It's going to, Something very mysterious happens, something dangerous threatening to Marco Zorn. And I know pretty well how it's going to end. Obviously, Marco Zorn survives because he's telling the story, but also he achieves a kind of a justice at the end. The part in between, I kind of it comes to me as I write it. I don't have have a detailed plot. What I try to do is throw Marco Zorn into the investigation as as he would as a police officer, and coming up with very strange and uh, unexpected situations. And then I just try to get him out of those situations as best I can. Uh, Sometimes I run into a dead end and have to use the delete button, but by and large, I, I write by the seat of my pants, as they say, and work it out and then and do a lot of revisions. I'm a big believer in rewrites and de- revising text to make sense of events that took place late in the story by adjusting things that happened early in the story. Uh, that's the great advantage uh, of, of the com- writing on a computer is to writing longhand, which I used to do.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So was there a character though in this one that was harder to write than other characters?
2: Characters are, are hard in their own way, but some characters like Carla Lowery, who's the head of the BI Criminal Division, I sort of had a clear notion of what she's like. Probably the most difficult one was the, the main female character who was the the prime minister of Montenegro. She's a young woman who was was active in pro democracy, uh, pro civil rights movements, uh, opposed to the 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 dictator left over from the Stalin period, really, who was running uh, the country. At least in my fictional version. And so uh, she uh, stands up to him, and gets in real trouble, but eventually. Uh, achieves a peaceful and, uh, arrangement so that the dictator is thrown out and she becomes prime minister. This is a very complicated character. It's a, in the first place, it's a woman, but it's also uh, from the, the Balkans. And uh, it was uh, important that, I, that she, be, even though she's young and, and inexperienced in many respects, she has to come across as very strong, and you believe that she could be a, a leader for pro-democracy in her presentation. I based it very, very roughly, very loosely on a real person, the uh, the, uh, the leader of the pro-democracy uh, movement in uh, Belarus, um, which uh, unfortunately it turned out she lost the, the, there Unlike um, in my novels, uh, uh, the prime minister wins. But I, I didn't follow closely. But I, 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 there, there again, you have a young woman who is not a politician, who is married with a couple of children, and although uh, and and is defies uh, the dictator in her country. And I, I think that was inherently fascinating situation, but I obviously don't know the prime minister or of any country. And I needed to make her both strong and vulnerable at the same time. So it was a complicated character to, to devise. Mm -hmm.
1: That's the character I I kind of assumed you might say was, because I would think that would be harder. So then how much research went into this then? I mean, because I know it's fictionalized, but at the same time, I'm sure there was still some research you had to do.
2: I don't want anybody to get the impression that I'm writing a uh, serious uh, political analysis of the Balkans or of of Eastern Europe. I lived in Eastern Europe in and out as part of my foreign service career. worked in Yugoslavia uh, and... uh, I was my final post was in East Germany during the Cold War, which was a completely dumb a police state at the time. Now, for, thank heavens, no longer. So I've seen these authoritarian governments up close and watched them and, and worked work with them, not as a as a, an observer, as a U.S. foreign service officer, not as an activist, as it was the case of, of the protagonist. Uh, in in, in uh, headshot, so I drew on my experiences in a very rough way, and as I say, I I did try to very roughly follow the career of uh, I'm just looking at her first name Sviatlana Tikhonovskaya, who has uh, now uh, been exiled from Belarus, but was uh, was very active and came close to changing the government in in Belarus. So without following her career exactly, or even roughly, I I use that in more of a a way of an inspiration for the character of uh, the prime minister, Nina Wojciech.
1: Yeah. So now in thriller writing, I think, you know, in, in any genre writing, there are elements to it that I think people try and stick to. I know in Headshot, you do actually have a thriller writer character in there who says part of it is that you want to lead the reader down, you know, like give them little things that might be misleading or drop little breadcrumbs and hints throughout about who the actual killer is and stuff like that. So what do you think is essential? What elements do you think are essential when you're writing a novel? Like when you were writing Headshot, were there things that you were like, I have to make sure I put certain breadcrumbs in at
2: certain places or breadcrumbs all over the place or, yeah. or red herrings in some cases mm-hmm. uh, yes well obviously if you the main character at least the way i'm writing it has to be in, in danger he, he finds out in headshot that there is an in, inter, famous international assassin who's come to the united states who is wants to assassinate plans to assassinate the, the prime minister of montenegro but he's also after Marco Zorn himself. Marco Zorn has no idea at first why that should be, but he knows, he learns that he is also a target. So I needed to, for the thriller purposes, I needed to have my main character, this Washington DC detective, threatened under severe threat. And he is attacked a number of times and barely escapes with his life. So that's a key element, I think, in thriller writings. He does talk to a, a mystery story writer which, uh, who, who writes cozy mysteries. And in contrast, they don't require the main character to be in danger. He, all it requires is that he, uh, may, uh, there be a mystery and enough of a mystery that intrigues the writer or the reader, and then it gets solved. In the case of th- thrillers, uh, mysteries such as I write, There's got to be a a lot of danger and a lot of dangerous people uh, that he's dealing with. So uh, I also try to create a a lot of uh, events or incidents that are absolutely puzzling. So the reader asks himself or herself, what's going on here? I better continue to read to find out. Hopefully they do.
1: And I'm just curious for the mystery writer that you did put in here for that character, and he's describing that it's like a librarian who goes and solves these mysteries or helps with them. Was that at all inspired? I don't know why this this hit me, but was that all at all inspired about Angela Lansbury's character from Murder She Wrote? A little
2: bit, not a not, bit. Pretty, but I did did uh, see many of those episodes, and uh, but there are a lot of books in that category, and uh, and. In one sense, that's true for Agatha Christie. Uh, yeah. The main characters are never threatened. Now, the, it's it's all very peaceful and uh, gentlemanly, if you can, if I can say that anymore, or ladylike. I guess in the case of Angela Lansbury. And I think it, it's it's a totally different uh, tone. You you're never worried that Hercule Poirot is going to get shot. At least I don't, none, none that I've ever read. So I.
0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
1: Every writer and every creative person does come to moments where they have writer's block, is what is commonly called, or they might have you know moments when their creativity is just not there. They can't access it. When you were writing Headshot or when you've written any of your plays or other novel. Was there ever a moment in time when that happened to you? And how do you handle that?
2: Well, I'm almost embarrassed to say that I don't suffer from um, writer's block. I've been uh, writing all kinds of things. And normally, you know, I, a blank page page or blank computer screen is just a, an exciting challenge. And I'd love to dive right into it. Sometimes I go too far and maybe writer's block might have been called for. Large, I get into the flow of writing, and it just carries me along. As I say, I sometimes I get in trouble and do things, get in, describe incidences make no sense at all, and I have to rewrite them. But I don't have any trouble in, in, initially, and that was true for the, the the plays as well. Mainly because I think I know the characters so well, I find that when if you know the characters right. They write themselves, and this—I the, uh, know the, the people, uh, 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 the other detectives in uh, Marco Zorn's zone. Uh, I know the, the, the bad people. Uh, I know what they're going to do, and what they're like, and so when they appear on the page or on the screen, they, they kind of just take over the, uh, the characters themselves and just go for it. And so I don't—I don't recall. Uh, at the time when I sat down, I couldn't think of anything to say because there's like, people was anxious in the, in the corners of the screen, just anxious to get into the scene and do their thing.
1: Wow, that's that's pretty incredible, though. Yeah, don't don't be embarrassed about that. That's that's pretty amazing because oh, I
2: don't know. I'm not sure that what that says about my my, my skills, but in any case, uh, that's well, the way it works.
1: Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's amazing. Yeah. Cause I know a lot of people do have those moments where they don't, where they can't get that, create, all all writers I know
2: experience that uh, time to time and then they stop and they do something else where they write a different thing and come, come to them. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And then there's also that, you know, I know you said you've talked about a lot about rewriting and you love rewriting and, a lot and you believe in doing that because I know that could be hard too, because they're, you know, I've heard a lot. What you should do is your favorite, you know, your favorite babies, the, the ones that you love the most, the scenes you love the most, sometimes are the ones you should cut. Do I, you believe that?
2: Well, I don't know. I've certainly heard that. I've been very, but I, I've I, I got to say, I don't think I've ever actually done that. Well, I must have sometimes, but uh, but it, it it's really important that you, you not get so uh, attached to a, a character or a, an incident or an event or or some lines of dialogue that they dictate the, the way this story unfolds. You have to be careful about that and and make be willing to be harsh on on one's own writing. Uh, mm-hmm. So there are times when I'm sure I have cut out a scene or event or a uh, line of dialogue, which I thought was very clever and cute, but it just didn't work. It didn't, couldn't make, didn't move the story of, uh, forward, which you, everything should in this kind of uh, genre writing.
1: Yeah, I was just going to ask that actually, because with Headshot, you have it. It's always forward momentum, even when Marco is talking about events from the past, like his relationship with Victoria West, like especially when he's talking about that, it's still momentum. There's still always that constant sense of urgency, which I think you need when you're writing a thriller. Yes. So then, were there ever points, though, when you were writing Headshot, where there were scenes then where you would write them in there and you're like, this is not moving this forward at all? So these are the scenes that have to go. Or are those the ones that first
2: stick out well, to I'm you? Sure, there were. Absolutely. Although, In my writing, I don't want to have every scene propulsive. I think the reader can get burned out on that, so I deliberately, consciously, uh, uh, alternated scenes which were fairly quiet. Nobody's shooting anybody. Nobody's yelling at anybody. It's just that they uh, they're taking a breather because I think the the reader, the audience, needs a breather from time to time. So I I build that in, in consciously in writing.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Because there are those moments of just sitting there and talking, or when he's reflecting, um, or when he's looking back at his relationship, especially when he's looking back at his relationship with Victoria, which is a great name for an actress. The name on there, I just want to say it's a great name for an actress. It fit just. It just rolls off your tongue really easily too. So, yeah. Well, do you have any any writers that have inspired you, or any people in general that have inspired you during well, your career?
2: Uh, I, I'm always reluctant to answer that question. <laughs> I don't, you know, there's so many great, good writers out there. Many, many of them. I mean, of course, I go back to uh, the classics, Ken Follett and uh, Frederick Forsyth. Go, go back decades. Okay, and that's those were the ones I started reading in this genre of of an adventure mystery. And I still can find them uh, unparalleled. They're excellent writing, but they're among contemporary writers who are, uh, uh, there are so many, some of whom I know and worked with or talked with, I, I don't like to pick uh, ones because then I leave people out and that seems grossly unfair. So I-, I Yeah. I um I try to I try to duck that question again <laughs> all, all the time.
1: No, I understand. I understand. Um well is there anything like a like an element that inspires you? Like I know um for me music is very inspirational for me. Like I can hear a piece of music and I see like almost like a trailer in my head yes. of something. So is there anything like in that, that realm that isn't necessarily a person, but like something that actually can kick off. Like you might be sitting there and not even in the process of writing and something pops
2: well, in your head. Like you, I'm very uh, engaged in music. Uh, and I like listening to music, but what I found is, and uh, is that I can't write and listen to music at the same time because mm. I, I end up by listening to the music and stop being stop writing. Uh, Uh, Maybe it's just the way my brain is constructed, but I can't seem to do both things at the same time. If I'm not writing, I listen to music, and that may suggest things to write later, but Mm -hmm. I'm at the computer uh, putting words on on paper, so to speak, uh, I I can't listen to music because I find it totally distracting. I've become totally engaged in the music any kind of music even uh, so even very light music and so yeah. i i i don't i, I don't do that I, sometimes i try because it is very inspiring music is but um, it doesn't work for me mm-hmm.
1: yeah i think Well, i think every writer is different like i know writers that write like screenplays and they're like i like to have a movie on while i'm writing it. i'm like i don't know how you could do that I, because I, I couldn't do that. Yeah. I would think it would sink in or seep into anything you're writing as whatever you're watching on the, or you'd get distracted. Like you said, with the music. Yeah. Since you write both novels and you've written pl- plays as well. I want to know, is there one that you prefer over the other or does it just depend on what you're writing? It's so different. They, yeah. Uh,
2: as you know, from your experience, playwriting is a collaborative effort there. So you, you write a play. Okay. You got a nice script, and, you're it. and then it's it's uh, it's taken over. And first place, the director is there, and but then the actors—they have opinions. Oh, my character would never say that. And then everybody is pretty. Pretty soon, the uh, the hairdresser and the wardrobe mistress has strong opinion. I'm exaggerating a bit. But <laughs> it is a, a a collaborative, and I write like that. That was fine these are the people i worked with fortunately were very professional very skilled and, um, uh, and talented people and so their their input was was very much welcome writing a novel is just the opposite and well almost just the opposite it's totally solitary from from word one to the to the last words in the novel you're totally on your own and nobody's Talking to you, except the characters themselves. Eventually, of course, there will be people: editors, agents, publishers, and they they have opinions, of some of which are very good and uh, valuable. But they are uh, they come in very late during the, uh, uh, late in the process, so it's a totally different experience. I like both, and I'm would I'm sure the day will come that I'll go back and. Um, and write more plays. I'm sort of in between genres. I haven't done any epic poetry yet, but I'm open to any suggestions.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, well, and like you said, with a play or the same with like a screenplay, that's just the starting point. You know, it's like with a screenplay, it's never fully realized unless until it's on the screen, but with a novel, it's fully realized. Yes. That's the biggest difference. But would you ever, you know, because a lot of thriller novels are adapted to big screen, small screen. Would you ever want that to happen with your Marco Zorn novels? Would you want that?
2: I should be so lucky. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of course.
2: I mean, I do think it is uh, my writing is cinematic, not deliberately, not consciously so. But the way I cut from one scene to the other, mm-hmm. which are very sharp cuts. Uh, would lend itself to film or television. I think uh, so far, uh, no, uh, no big name Hollywood producer has quite seen it that way. But I, I, I'm on the phone, I'm ready to pick up the phone anytime.
1: <laughs> well, and I do agree. It is very cinematically written. Um, you could, I could easily picture the characters and easily picture the moments in it. So it's, it is a novel that I think would lend itself well to that. So I'll put it out there too, for you in the universe there. Yeah. Yeah. And so for Marco Zorn, since this is a series, do you already have it in your head? How many of these you want? I know you probably can't answer that completely, or are you just thinking you'll just write it until he stops being an inspiration for you?
2: Well, I don't have a, a, a platform or a, a plan uh, with a number of a specific number of, uh, of novels. I, when I started writing it and got used to writing it, I did think I would like to continue this until I get tired of Marco Zorn, mm-hmm. which I'm not yet. So I'm quite I do have in mind writing a series, uh, continuing the series. I've written uh, the, the next one already, which is now in sort of gestation and I'm outlining the fourth novel, and I even have the ideas for a fifth. So um, I, I, as long as I'm enjoying Marco Zorn and his adventures, and uh, I will continue to write Marco Zorn stories, if the time comes and I get fed up uh, with that, I'll do something else. But right now, I'm happy with Marco.
1: Yeah, yeah. I can tell that. And I'm wondering, you know, because I know with writing sometimes the characters can become, um, since you're breathing life into them, you're creating them, but it's almost like they're kind of become not real, but is not the right word, but they can become almost like a member of your family in some weird way. But they do become real to you. So I'm ge- I'm assuming, I'm guessing, just because you also already have up to a fifth novel kind of plotted out, or you're thinking about it at least. So is Marco like that for you? Has he become kind uh, of like a pal? Yes. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm
2: not neurotic, so I don't yeah. actually believe there is a guy out there who might one day knock on my door and say, Hi, I'm, I'm the real Marco Zorn. I know uh, I, I can distinguish between fiction and, and mm-hmm. um and reality. But yes, he's, I I do find myself thinking, oh, and uh, read something in the paper or some event. What would Marco Zorn react to that? How how would he do that? How would he handle that? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I would think that would, that would happen a lot, especially if you're spending a lot of time with a character and you're creating them a lot. And yeah. Yeah. And it's almost like, um, which of course it's, you know, fiction reality, but it's almost like that character, uh, takes over in a way. Um, so, yeah,
2: Oh okay. yeah. Well, he does take over in a way. I mean, when, when as I say, I don't plop the, the novels out in detail. I don't have a blueprint in front of me. So I, I let the characters dictate what happens, and primarily that means Marco Zorn. While he uh, deals with the threats to himself and to the people that he, uh, he cares about, on uh, how he goes about unraveling the mystery that he's uh, he's supposed to be dealing with, and and he, he has a character of his own, and he has a um, a, a distinct personality, and I let that personality uh, free if I can, and uh, that's fun. Mm-hmm.
1: And so you already did mention that there are some other Marco Zorn novels that you've plotted out or are in the works. Is there anything else you're working on, or is it just mainly you're just focusing on these right now?
2: Well, no, that's right now. Marco Zorn is it. Uh, it it's a full Writing is a full-time occupation, as I'm sure you know. And uh, if I let... I, when I start a novel, I, I get into the routine of working on that every day, five, six, seven days a week for a number of hours, and I, that that rhythm and that uh, pa- pattern helps me. If I stop writing, and I found that was the case in playwriting too, and start up again, it's, it's harder to do. Uh, mm-hmm. You need to get... Uh, the wheels moving. I couldn't drop writing for, say, six weeks and start writing again. It would be awkward and, well, it could be done, but it would be at first slow and, and tedious and uh, disruptive. So I try not, and I try not to go any length of time without writing something or other. So, yes.
1: Yeah, that's true. I mean, it is something. It's like um, it's like a muscle, and you're you know that you have to just keep working it. Otherwise, it you know, I mean, and there are more moments, of course, when a lot of writers won't be writing, and then it is harder to jump back in sometimes because it because you haven't worked that muscle.
2: Riding a bicycle, you you have to keep at it, or you you lose your instincts. But yeah,
1: mm-hmm. yeah, exactly, yeah. Uh, well, and I would ju- I'm just curious, um, because I know like with writing screenplays or anything like that, I've, I've written some screenplays and been like, you know, like reading the lines out loud while I'm writing it. Do you do that when you're writing your novels as well?
2: Well, I don't do it in the, the, the first draft. And I try to do it after I've got it all done. Mm-hmm. As I say, I do rewrites. And one of the things I do do is to read it out loud. I kind of feel kind of stupid doing that, but I do do that, and it does help. If find mm-hmm. things that don't that worked on paper that don't quite work when you're hearing it, so uh, that's, that's a very valuable uh, technique I find. And also, you find uh, mistakes. Uh, <laughs> not that, yeah. and I, I I seem to have, have a proclivity for. Mistakes, but uh, I mean, I mean, typo errors. Word, uh, Microsoft Word is is no guarantee uh, of, of, of perfection.
1: <laughs> that that's very true. Yes, and it's human.
0: <laughs> we
1: all see those, but but yes, I think that's uh, that's very true. That if you when you read it out loud or if somebody else reads it reads it too and then you can hear it it you can instantly just moments that you didn't even think about where you're like oh this has to be rewritten this way or that's well, it definitely not working
2: all the time to me if if i, I am mean, not going to do rewrites of books that have been published but i in reading them again if i would do it aloud i said no i should not not big things i'm not talking about major plot mm-hmm. or character but oh i probably should have ended the sentence here and continued there, or maybe made, broke or done a paragraph. Here. I'm not going to do anything about it. It just, <laughs> but I, I, find that no matter how carefully I, I review and and uh, the text, things get by.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, and we're always our own worst critic too. I think is the other part of it too. At least, I mean, I find that that you're always going to be harshest on yourself more than anybody else will be. So well, let's hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very much. And I just want, I just quickly want to know, is there another favorite character of yours in Headshot besides Marco?
2: It's hard to say, but one of the, uh, in, in Head, Headshot, Marco Zorna has a junior partner in each of the novels, the, the, he, the, there's a partner. He's the senior partner because he's been around for a long time. And I always have fun with these junior, each, each novel has a different, junior partner. In Headshot. Mm-hmm. It, she's a young Japanese uh, police officer, but very, very smart, smart as a whip. Um, and I enjoyed writing it because she, she is young, unlike Marco Zorn, who is a, has a, a lifetime of experience. She is new to a lot of this, and she experiences a almost a psychic breakdown in the novel when she uh, faces the fact that she's not sure she could uh, shoot a person even if her life was in, in danger. And Marco Zorn has to take her in handy. Uh, he, he's very fond of her and he really respects her. She's a very good police officer, but he, he she almost collapses. And it, it, I won't go into the details at the end, but uh, she go, she goes through a, a psychic Crisis, uh, and so I, I just like I enjoyed ha- comparing her character with Zorn, two, two people really different backgrounds, different uh, personalities, and but one quite young and 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 still in, in formation, the other uh, very very well established in his own character.
1: Yeah. And that that scene you're talking about with Lucy is one of my favorite parts in the novel. I thought it was really well written and also confronts, you know, I think we sometimes forget that, that when people are put in high stress, dangerous situations, um, the after effects of that, what it might do to someone's psyche, especially if they don't react to the, you know, the event, the way they think they're going to, I won't say, of course, what happens, but I thought it was really interesting the way that was done and the way it was handled and watching these two people play off of each other in that scene was was really interesting and seeing sort of a different side of that character as well. So so I really liked that scene. And I really like that character, too. So I, I'd love to see more of that character.
2: <laughs> well, yes, well, maybe I will bring her back. I tried to bring <laughs> some of the characters back uh, in, in, in different novels to create a kind of continuity, uh, not all of them, and, uh, but of course some unity for the whole series I think is desirable. So the, the reader, if, they, if I'm lucky, and to get readers who like the series continue to go, they'll keep uh, recognizing old friends. They'll also learn more about Margot Zorn. Each, each novel I reveal more about him and his background and why he is the way he is.
1: Yes, yes, which is why, which is another reason why I think it's interesting to put it in first person because you're not going to learn everything right away anyway, because when it's told from first person, someone who's talking about their life isn't going to reveal everything no, like that. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to talk with me. I really, really appreciate it. And I really highly recommend reading Headshot. Go out and check out both Marco Zorn novels so otho if you want to just tell everyone i know you have a website correct yes
2: i have a website it's a hard one to remember it's othoeskin.com <laughs> you can yes. learn all about me uh not all about me hopefully not all about me but uh yeah, something about my background uh where i served in the foreign service uh the plays that i've written and uh i think um and, and you can also if you're so inclined, you, you can order either of my books on, on, on my website, or you can go to your favorite bookstore, uh, and or you can go to Amazon or Barnes & Noble. Uh, there are a multitude of places to order the book, which I uh, encourage you to do, particularly if you have a bookstore that you like.
1: Yes. Yes. You want to try and support some of the bookstores since, you know, that doesn't happen as much anymore, but yes. Yes. And we'll put a link to your website in our show notes as well. So people can easily follow that link. Thank you so much again. I really appreciate it. And I really did like your novels a lot. So thank you so much. much.
2: I appreciate the kind words and I wish you all the very best.
1: Thank you. You too. And this is Erin. You can follow me on Twitter at E.AprilBeauty. The E and the A and the B are capitalized. Be sure to like the show on Facebook at facebook.com slash it's a fandom thing pod. On Twitter at fandom thing pod. No, it's in that one. On Instagram at it's a fandom thing pod. If you have any feedback, show notes, if you'd like to be a potential interview guest on the show, please feel free to reach out to us at it's a fandom thing pod at gmail.com. In our next episode, we are going to continue our Christian Bale celebration with a look at the noir one. So this is very fitting. It's also a mystery. Uh, The movie The Machinist, which I love this movie so much and love Christian Bale's performance in it. So I'm very excited for everyone to hear that episode. So until next time, remember, it's a fandom thing. Black lives matter and stop Asian hate.
0: at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S.,
1: excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. Hey, podcast listener. Do you love talking about movies, music, TV, comics, and games? Then you should be listening to the great pop culture debate back in Bigger Than Ever for Season 9. This season, the panelists discuss the best James Bond film, the best Elton John single, the best Nickelodeon original series, the best Batman villain, and so much more. Find the show wherever you listen to podcasts, Or head to GreatPopCultureDebate.com. More than 100 topics are already available. Subscribe today.